Amen. All right, this evening we're going to be continuing our series on end times Bible prophecy. Obviously, as I've mentioned, given the recent events and seemingly the signs of the times, I believe that it is uh, apparent that we become very familiar with the scriptures when it pertains to this subject. The title of the sermon this evening is ID 2020 and the Mark of the Beast. ID 2020 and the Mark of the Beast. Now, I'm going to be getting into ID 2020 much later in the sermon, but just like all topics, you know, we should begin with the Bible. We need to understand the Bible first. We need to understand what the Bible teaches and then look at technology through the lens of the Bible. That needs to be our final authority in all matters of faith and practice. Look here at Revelation chapter number 13 at verse number 15. <coughs> the Bible says, And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And it causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. Now here in Revelation chapter number 13, at the end of the passage here, uh, this chapter particularly, we have the description, the very clear description of what is known as the mark of the beast. This is where, you know, 666 derives from, and people have heard of this very often. And, and this passage, these are some very, you know, cryptic and mysterious words that are found in the Bible here at the end of Revelation chapter number 13. It's very ominous of what is being spoken of. I got a gnat in my coffee. It's very ominous what's being spoken of, and it's very cryptic and mysterious, even the way that it is. And even the little code that you're given to try to crack in order to try to understand this a little bit more is, is, is very cryptic. And I'm not necessarily going to get into that, but it, my point is that there is a lot of mystery that surrounds this, and you know that does intrigue people, and it makes it very interesting. But let me say this as well, in addition to that. We are given a lot of details about the mark of the beast as far as surrounding it, how it will be implemented. But not only that, we are given the Bible in its entirety. And there is actually a doctrine that is taught that is very closely tied to the mark that is given right here. Mark is mentioned. A mark or, or, or human beings being marked. This actually occurs quite a few times in the Bible. So before we actually get into Revelation chapter number 13, we need to first lay the groundwork and we need to first understand the foundation of this doctrine. Because you may be surprised, but it actually goes back all the way to Genesis. And I want you to turn in your Bibles. That's where we're going to go first is Genesis chapter number 4. And then we're going to come back with this understanding of the doctrine of the mark and, <coughs> and how this works uh, and, and be able to understand it much clearer and and a realer. Look here, more real. Look at Genesis chapter number 4. A little bit of Kentucky coming out there. In me. Genesis chapter number 4. I'm going to read to you first from Leviticus chapter number 19. The Bible always defines itself. You want to know what a mark is, what it's talking about? You need to go and you need to study the Bible. Look up the word mark. The Bible will give you an answer. The Bible is meant to be understood. God is not the author of confusion. The Bible has its own built-in dictionary. Leviticus chapter number 19, I'm going to read that to you, I meant to post that. 
Uh, Leviticus chapter number 19, verse number 28 actually gives us the definition <coughs> of a mark and what a mark is. Verse number 28, it says this, You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead. And then it says this, Nor print <coughs> any marks upon you. I am the Lord. I want you to notice that. He says, Nor print any marks upon you. So if we were to you know, try to find out what the definition of a mark is, even if I were to ask you in our modern English today, what is a mark? If you mark on something, what is that? Well, it's a print. It's, it's putting a print on something. So when we look at the Bible, the Bible defines it the same way in which we understand this word and it's commonly used today. A mark is a print. That's why he makes the statement, nor print any marks <coughs> upon you. If I were to ask you what you believe Leviticus 19.28 is talking about, it's forbidding tattoos. And I'm sure you understand it that way and that's clearly what it's talking about. Don't print any marks upon you. We're not supposed to have what we refer to as tattoos. That's what the Bible is saying. Now, this, uh, uh, if I were to ask you too as well, let me, ask, let me say this. You know, uh, oftentimes when people get tattoos, it's very common that people get tattoos of something in particular. And it's very common that people get tattoos of, of maybe the name of someone that is deceased in their family. This is very common. They'll maybe have, you know, uh, angel's wings or something like that and a name. I've seen this many, many times. They'll have R.I.P. and maybe their father's name, something like that. It's very, very common that when people get a tattoo, they'll do that. And that's why it says this in verse number 28, You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead. And then it repeats it, nor print any marks upon you. These two things are related. So notice first when it says you shall not make any cuttings, it says in your flesh. Now that's how a tattoo is actually put on, even in a technical sense. A tattoo is put on by penetrating the skin. Obviously, if it's meant to be permanent, it cannot only be on the outer surface of the skin. If you just put it on the outer surface of the skin, and that is referred to as the epidermis, the outer surface of the skin, it will come off eventually because we're always losing, you know, skin, you know, uh, skin follicles, skin cells are falling off, right? So the, it would eventually come off. So in order to have a permanent tattoo or a permanent mark on you, it would need to penetrate into the middle layer of the skin, which is referred to just as the dermis. And then you have the hypodermis, which, you know, like a hypodermic needle, that is the bottom layer. So there's three layers of skin. So even with a tattoo in a technical sense, and you'll understand why I'm saying this in a minute, even with a tattoo in a technical sense, it is a mark that is printed on you and it could be even in that sense referred to as being in and on uh, the skin, in and on a person. Now here in Genesis chapter number 4 we have the mention of a mark. This is the very first time that a person is marked and they actually have a mark put on them. <laughs> look with me at Genesis chapter number 4 and I want to look at I believe it's verse 14. Look at Genesis chapter number 4. Look at verse number 14. The Bible says this, Behold, this is Cain speaking to the Lord, Thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth and from, the, from <coughs> thy face shall I be hid and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. So he's saying, hey, you've sent me out and I'm just going to be a fugitive and a vag vagabond. He's saying he's going to constantly be, you know, wandering about, right? He, he has no home. And he's saying, and, and what's going to happen is I'm going to be going into these towns or I'm going to be going into these places where people live and people are going to try to just kill me like I'm a stranger and I'm just wandering about, right? Well, verse 15, it says this, and the Lord said unto him, therefore, <clears throat> 
Whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. Then it says this, And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. So I want you to notice that here in Genesis chapter number 4, we have a mention of a mark. I want you to notice that. Number two, I want you to notice that in this uh, uh, situation, in this context, we have a mark that is actually given by the Lord. And this mark is given by the Lord and it's put upon Cain. Now, what was the purpose? It was so that if anybody found him, they would not kill him. They would not harm him. He would be spared or he would be salvaged. Now, all of these points I want you to pay close attention to because... You know, what a doctrine is, is it, it is it is a uniformity of teachings throughout the Bible. A doctrine is where the same thing is taught over and over and over again, and it is a uniform or harmonizing teaching. And I want to I show you this, that this is actually very uniform with what we're going to get to and, and consistent with Revelation chapter number 13. Notice the one that has the mark is to be spared. He is to be salvaged. Now, How and which are they going to know not to kill him? By what? By the mark. So, you know what that tells me is that this is a mark just like Leviticus 19.28 explains it. Do you know what it is? It's a printed mark. How would they be able to do this? Well, of course, because it is visible. Just like you know, cuttings in the flesh, just like printing a mark upon you. When they see him, they know not to touch him because of this mark. Any finding me, he says, saying if they find me and they see me, once they lay their eyes upon me, this mark will be visible and they will know not to lay any hands on me. Once you go to Ezekiel chapter number 9, so it's visible. This mark specifically was from the Lord. It's meant to identify him and also notice that it's meant to give him protection. It's for the the person that is receiving the mark that is. It's meant to give them protection. There's also another mark of the Lord here in (coughs) Ezekiel chapter number 9. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter number 9. This is how you learn the Bible. You learn what the Bible is teaching about. You compare Scripture with Scripture. And then we go and we look at the mark of the beast. And I believe if people were to do that, they would spare themselves from a lot of error. Because a lot of times they just isolate one passage. And you know what they do? They spend 90% on modern technology. 90% of their time, time is spent on looking at the new technology that could possibly be implemented to be the mark of the beast. No, we need to go to the Bible first. And then it's fine to do that later, but this needs to be our authority. We begin here, we understand, we have a sound understanding of what the Bible teaches, and then go and look at maybe what technology could be. Look at Ezekiel chapter number 9, verse number 1. He cried also in mine ears with a loud voice, saying, Cause them that have charge over the city to draw near, even every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. So this is like a knife or some sort of slaughtering weapon, a weapon to kill someone with. And behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate, which lieth toward the north, and every man a slaughter weapon in his hand. And one man among them was clothed, with, among them was clothed with linen with a writer's inkhorn by his side. And they went in and stood beside the altar. So six men come, five of them have these slaughtering weapons, and one of them is kind of like a scholar. You know, he's got the white linen on, he's more of the master, like the Bible calls a scholar a master or a teacher, that's what that means. He's got the white linen on and he's got the, the uh, uh, writer's ink horn, so the, the horn is being used to, to uh, uh, hold, contain the ink, And then they would dip the pen in there and write. Notice what it says in verse 3. And the glory 
of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub whereupon he was to the threshing house of the house. Uh, I'm sorry, the threshing hole, the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed with linen. So God speaks unto this man, which had the writer's inkhorn by his side. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem. <coughs> And set a mark upon the foreheads of the men <clears throat> that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. Verse 5. And to the others, he said in mine hearing, Go ye after him through the city and smite. Let not your eye spare, neither have ye Pity. Slay utterly old and young, both maids and little children and women, but come not near any man upon whom is the mark. And begin at my sanctuary. <clears throat> then they began at the ancient men which were before the house. So I want you to notice we have a very similar situation here. And if you're familiar with Revelation, it actually sounds a lot like the mark that's given in Revelation. So there is a mark that is placed upon... <coughs> it says in verse 4... And set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry. Now, Genesis chapter number 4, someone could try to say, well, <coughs> well, that mark is just like something spiritual. He's just marking him spiritually. Well, people will stay away from him. Well, then why did it say, lest any finding me? Why did it say, lest anyone finding me or seeing me? Not only that, number 2, it said that the Lord set a mark on him. Look at verse number 4 here. And notice how it's worded. It says, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men. So we have the exact same statement. So we can see this consistency here. And notice that it says it's on the foreheads. Where is it going to take place in Revelation chapter number 13? Either on the right hand or on the foreheads. So we can see that this is definitely tied with Revelation chapter number 13. This mark again is a mark of the Lord. And the Lord is saying to mark these men. Now again, also, who is being spared and who is being salvaged? It's the one that has the mark. The one that actually receives the mark in his forehead is the one that's going to be spared. And then he says, and the rest, everybody else that does not have the mark, I want you to go out and I want you to slay and I want you to smite every last one of them. So notice, everybody else is to die except for those that have the mark. I want you to go ahead and turn now to the New Testament. Let's go ahead and go back to Revelation chapter number 13. Revelation chapter number 13, we're going to delve into this and we're going to compare Scripture with Scripture with some other passages that talk about the mark in uh, Revelation, the book of Revelation. Now again, we saw something printed. Notice that that man in Ezekiel 9 had a writer's inkhorn. So this is something printed. I want you to notice that the men that were going to kill... They were actually going and they were visibly looking and identifying the men that had the mark. And then they saw, hey, these other guys don't have the mark. All right, smite them. So also, another thing. This is very interesting because there's a lot of consistency. The people that don't have the mark are to die. What did Cain say? Well, I don't want to die. Okay, give him a mark. So notice this vast consistency over and over and over again here. So it's printed literally printed. It's written with a writer's inkhorn. It's visible. We see it's on their forehead. It makes sense that it would be on Cain's forehead to be obvious. It is meant to identify and it's meant to, in the sense of identify, distinguish or differentiate those that have the mark and those that do not have the mark. And it's also meant for protection. And I want you to pay close attention that 
<clears throat> it is meant for protection for those that have the mark. So back to Revelation chapter number 13. Revelation chapter number 13. And uh, first I, wanna, I want to, before we delve into this whole thing of uh, the mechanics of the mark and what exactly it is and trying to identify it here in 2020, I want to first explain a couple of things to you that people will, you know, uh, 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 you know, Teach wrongly. They'll, they'll misteach and, and uh, you know, false doctrine when it comes to the book of Revelation and the, the mark of the beast. Some people will say <coughs> that this was fulfilled already. <coughs> you know, those that are, you know, uh, uh, some, some that are, you know, amillennial and things like that or uh, postmillennialist even, uh, they, will, they believe that, <coughs> that these events were fulfilled uh, you know, in uh, you know early like 70 A.D. is when the destruction took place, and just prior to that, Titus came in and that he caused everybody to have a mark. That is not what's being taught here, and what because what they have to do. <clears throat> is they have to centralize everything and isolate all these teachings to just Jerusalem only. But I'm going to prove to you that this is not talking about Jerusalem only, but rather this is talking about the whole world taking a mark. It's just talking about the entire world having to receive this mark. And once you understand that, then we can realize that these events were not possible in the past. A way in which where someone can track, someone can control, someone can issue a mark, and then also be able to make sure that they do not buy or sell, that, was, that has not been possible until recent digital and electronic discoveries when it comes to the technology that we possess today. It, it was not possible. No one could have done such a thing. And when we look at Revelation chapter number 13, this mark is being issued to everyone in the entire world. It's not just centralized to Jerusalem. This is being given to everyone in the entire world. The way I can show that to you is first I want you to look and I want you to notice this. I want you to notice that you don't just receive the mark real flippantly. You actually have to take part or do something first in order to receive the mark of the beast. And it is, you must worship the beast. You must first worship the beast or the image of the beast and then you receive the mark of the beast. You're not just going to go down to your local you know, technology store, electronic store, and just receive this mark, whatever technology it may be. Or the pharmacy, if you try to tie it in with you know, medicinal or some sort of surgeon or something, or Walmart. That's not how this is going to work. You are going to actually have to worship and bow down to the image of the beast and the beast in order to receive the mark. And once you do that, now you have, that's why it's called the mark of of the beast. You have been identified with the beast now. Look at Revelation chapter number 13. Look at verse number 15. It says, And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Explain that to me in 70 AD. Explain how this guy is able to give power unto the image of this beast and it's going to kill them. Look at verse 16. And he causeth all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. So I want you to notice after he's speaking about them worshiping the image of the beast, it says this, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, I believe it says, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And it says, And that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. 
So he mentions that you must worship the image of the beast, and then he follows that up with, and he causes. So this is another thing that he does in tandem with or simultaneously with worshiping the image of the beast. He's going to cause you to receive a mark in your right hand or your forehead. And you cannot buy or sell without that mark. Well, I'm going to read to you some scriptures here, just these, these, these uh, verses that are found in the book of Revelation, where it shows you that these two things are coupled with one another. The way in which you receive the mark of the beast is actually by worshiping the beast. Revelation 14.9, it says, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, Revelation 14.11 says, Who worship the beast and his image, and who whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Revelation 15.2 says this, Them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name. Notice how these things are coupled together. Because the way in which you receive the mark is by worshiping. You must first worship the beast, and then you are given the mark. Uh, Revelation 16.2 says, The mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. Almost every single time. No, it's not almost. It's actually, I checked this. It's every time that the, that the uh, worshipping of the image is mentioned or the mark of the beast, both are mentioned. Every single time they're coupled together. Revelation 19.2, The mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. It's one and the same. It's the same exact group. Revelation 24, Which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their forehead were in their hands. I want you to notice that over and over and over again, the way in which you receive the mark is that it is coupled together with worshiping the image of the beast. So that, this is an important truth. People are wrong about this very often because people are, will ask the question, well, and of course people that preach and believe a false gospel of, well, if you believe in once saved, always saved, how's this going to work out? You know, they're just going to be able to go there, and I'm going to get to this specifically in a moment, and then you're just going to, hey, give me my mark, and it's just like a stamp in their hand or however they perceive this technology to work. That's not all that is involved here. And that's a major step that you are skipping is that in order to, the whole, what he wants is to be worshipped by the world. There are multi-purposes for this mark, but what his desire and his goal is, is to be worshipped by the world. So he implements this specific mark in order to make sure and to threaten people that, hey, if you don't worship me, then you're not going to be able to buy and sell. So to try to coerce or force people, it's not even coercing, it's trying to force people in order to bow down to him and to worship him. And once you do that, that now I will allow you to buy or sell. Well, in Revelation chapter number 13, just prior to that, it tells you this. It says, <clears throat> verse 8, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So I want you to notice that. When it says, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, it's not just talking about people that are in Jerusalem because it's talking about those that are worshiping him. And who is worshiping him? The entire world. And notice that how are they worshiping him? Does it tell you later in the chapter of Revelation 13? They worship him through the image of the beast. They actually bow down to this image. So explain to me how every single person in the entire world is going to be able to worship this one person in the past, this one man through an image that he's given life unto this image, it's able to kill you, and then not only that, he's going to issue a mark to every single person that they can't buy or sell. Tell me, tell me how that was possible in 70 AD. 
And you, but you know what? They understand it's not. So all the amillennialists and postmillennialists, they say, oh, this is just Jerusalem. He only did this in Jerusalem. That's not what's taught here. This is the entire world. And I want you to think about that for a minute. There's going to be a time where a man who is the devil incarnate stands up and says, you must worship me. You must bow down to this image of me and worship me. And if you do not, <clears throat> you're not going to receive the mark. And you're not going to be able to buy or sell without the mark. And he's just going to be giving out these marks. The mark of the beast. The entire world, it's going to be mandated. Where you bow down and worship this man. So, <clears throat> here in Revelation 13, we can see that this is not just decentralized. This is not just centralized to this one location. This actually takes place... All throughout the entire world. The whole world is worshiping this man. The whole world is receiving, you know, the mark of the beast. And so we have, what we have there is a one world economic system. Now, Christians cannot lose their salvation. They couldn't in the past. They couldn't in the Old Testament. They can't in the New Testament. They can't in the tribulation. You can never lose your salvation. Once you're saved, you're always saved. Amen. That is the Bible's teaching on the gospel. You are saved eternally forever. And people ask the question, well, what about those that, you know, take the mark of the beast that are saved? John MacArthur said all kinds of blasphemous garbage when it comes to this. You know, here's the, here's the easy answer. No one is going to, everyone that's saved is, is not going to worship the image of the beast. And they are not going to take the mark of the beast. Matthew chapter number 24, verse number 24 says this, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So what is that teaching? Why did it say, if it were possible? Saying it's going to be so great and so magnificent, these wonders are going to be so powerful. That if it were possible, they would, they would deceive the very elect. What does that tell you? It's not possible. Uh, Revelation 13, 8. I've heard people try to explain that away. Saying, well, well, when it is possible, people will be deceived. That's a stupid interpretation. That's why you compare Scripture with Scripture. Revelation 13, 8 says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship Him. Now watch this. Whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Notice, everybody else besides those whose names are written in the book of life. Saying, everyone who's in the book of life, they are not going to worship the, the beast and the image of the beast. You know what that means? They're not going to receive the mark. That's exactly <clears throat> what that's teaching. That's why Jesus in John chapter number 10 said that... <clears throat> They that are his sheep, they won't follow the voice of a stranger. He says that, you know, that they, they, know, they know his voice and, and that we will follow him, but the voice of a stranger we don't know and we will not follow the voice of a stranger. You know who a stranger is? The Antichrist. This guy that shows up and says, hey, I'm the Christ. But you, we won't be deceived by that. We'll know that this is not Jesus and we'll know that this is not the Christ. <clears throat> Now, furthermore, I also want to point out something interesting to you, that this, this type of scenario in, in and of itself is not unprecedented, even in the Bible, where men will desire worship from you know, uh, the entire empire at the very least. Nebuchadnezzar, who is a picture of the Antichrist, uh, he was reigning from Babylon, you know, you know, uh, paralleled with end times Babylon, he made an image of himself and he mandated by law, it was the law that everybody must worship him. And if you did not worship him, you were to be put to death. Daniel 3.15 says, Now if you be ready, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Doesn't that sound familiar? 
<clears throat> well, but if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Notice he's also exalting himself above God too. He's saying, who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? Saying there's no one above him. There's nobody that can deliver you out of my hands at this point. So the perfect picture of actually what takes place in Revelation chapter number 13. Now, I wanna, now that we're in Revelation 13, I want to ask you a couple questions before we get into this specific mark here and what it means of the mark of the beast and identifying it. What is the purpose of the mark? What is the purpose of the mark that is given here in Revelation chapter number 13? Well, <clears throat> let's ask this question. What was the purpose of the mark the other times we saw it given? And let's see if we can... Uh, make this jive. Let's see if these passages harmonize and if they are a part of the same doctrine, if they are consistent. Well, <clears throat> the mark that's given here, which is the mark of the beast, is to uh, make it possible to identify and differentiate between those that have the mark and those that do not have the mark. And furthermore, not only that, it is to identify those that do have the mark so that they would be spared and so that their lives would be salvaged. So the mark is given to actually give amnesty. It's actually, the mark is actually given so that it would give protection to those that have the mark. The, the people that receive the mark are the ones that aren't hurt. They, they have amnesty, right? Uh, not only that, obviously, it is given uh, to give control. He wants to be able to control them. He wants to be able to control their purchases, their buying and their selling. Uh, it's given to track them. And uh, you know, I would agree with all of those types of things. But it's very important to understand that it is not necessarily given to identify those that are receiving it. it the purpose is to identify those that do not have the mark. And the reason why <coughs> this is important is because what is the devil's objective? And this actually explains things uh, from what we just read about the devil you know, uh, uh, issuing this mark and can a Christian take the mark? What is the devil's objective and what is his goal uh, during this time period? Is his goal to try to get Christians to convert? And to worship him? No. Because the devil knows the Bible probably better than you and me. That's why he's quoting scripture off the top of his head to Jesus. The devil knows the scriptures very, very well. So he knows the Bible, right? And the devil is aware of salvation and that it's eternal. That's why he tries to convince people that it's not. Because he knows the truth and he tries to deter them from the truth. So that's not his goal. His goal is actually to make war with the saints. His goal is actually to hurt and to destroy and to persecute and to bring tribulation upon those that are the Christians and the saints. And he wants to get rid of them so he can rule in his kingdom. That's the whole purpose of what he's doing. Revelation 13, 17 says, And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. He's not trying to say, hey, come on my side. He's trying to make war with them and destroy them. Do you know why he put the mark upon them? The same reason why the Lord put the mark upon his enemies or upon those that were, I'm sorry, put the mark upon those that were actually his followers. So the devil, notice it's exactly the same, is, is placing a mark upon his followers, upon those that are willing to worship him so that he can kill everybody else. What did the Lord do? What did God do in Ezekiel 9? He placed a mark on all of those that were his children. And then he said, now everybody that doesn't have the mark, 
Go and smite and slay all of them. And of course, Satan is the great imitator. He, he wants to be exactly like God. The devil wants to be exactly like the Lord. You know, God has his Christ. The devil has his Antichrist. You know, God is going to have his kingdom. The devil tries to set up his kingdom, right? You know, the Lord Jesus Christ raised from the dead. This man's going to have a deadly wound and die and then raised from the dead. He wants to be like the Most High, as we saw from last week. So why is he issuing this mark? Because he just wants to be exactly like the Lord. So... <clears throat> I want you to go to Revelation chapter number 20 now. So notice that, that mark. Now, we would have no reason to think that the word mark just changes meaning. And we're talking about a totally different subject all of a sudden. Just right here, this, the word mark here just means to something totally different. That makes no sense. That's, not, that's a dumb way to read the Bible. It's a stupid way to read the Bible. When you, you, you read all throughout the Bible that there's a mark given. It's visible. It's written. It's, it's printed with, a, with an ink horn upon their head. It uses the word print. It's meant to identify them. And then all of a sudden we get here, everything else is the same. Everything else, else lines up, but it's just not an actual mark now. The word mark's used, but it's not an actual mark. It's this or that. That's a dumb way to read the Bible. That's a very stupid way to read the Bible. Now, I know you're into technology, and hey, that can be interesting and stuff like that. But you know what I'm into? I'm into the Bible. And I want to know what the Bible teaches. And if I read something that does not, you know, perfectly line up with the, 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 the recent biblical conspiracy theory. I don't give a crap what your theory is. I don't care. I care what the Bible teaches. And when we read in the Bible, there's a doctrine that's taught about a mark that's given to people. Notice how consistent it is. There's no denying that. It's extremely consistent. When we get to Revelation 13, we don't throw that out the window. We apply that and we, we define that, define this with what we've read so far. So notice in, in, in Revelation 13, 16, I'll read this to you. You stay there. <coughs> It's the same system. He, and it causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. So notice that. Just like the Lord put it in their foreheads. And I heard uh, uh, you know, a very interesting uh, uh, interpretation of why it's in their right hand or their foreheads. And I agree with this. It's like, why one or the other? Well, one can be the primary, like the right hand, right? You can just install it right into their right hand. But why sometimes the foreheads? Well, does every single person have a right hand? No, they don't. But do you know what everybody has? If you're alive, you for sure have a forehead. If you're living and breathing, you definitely have a head. So you have a forehead. So people try to mock the Bible, all oh, right, and forehead. No, it's actually wiser than what you think it is. It's really giving you a practical reason why this prophecy is recorded this way. You know, because <clears throat> this man says, hey, put it in the right hand. Of course, there's people that don't have right hands. You know, we're not going to just put it in their left hand. There's people that don't have left hands. You know what they are for sure going to have? Let's, primarily, let's begin with their right hand, but let's put it in their forehead if they don't have a right hand. That's why that's mentioned there. But notice it's in the forehead, just like the Lord put it in their forehead. And what was the purpose of the mark every other time? To visibly identify those that have the mark and differentiate those, them from those that do not. And that's what the Lord, that's what Satan, I'm sorry, wants to do is he wants to find out who doesn't have my mark so that he might slay and so that he might smite them. He's not trying to get them to convert. He wants to oppress them. That's the same reason why the mark is, is issued and then it's uh, uh, used, it's integrated with buying and selling. So he wants to kill you if you don't have the mark. But hey, if you run away from him and you hide in the wilderness <coughs> like the Bible teaches that we will... Do you, know what, uh, do you know what he does? He's like, okay, you don't have my mark. Now you can't buy or sell. 
So what's his goal? Is he trying to get you to convert? No. He's trying to kill you. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to starve you to death. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to make war with the saints, like the Bible says. That's what's going on. and That's the purpose of the mark. So I want to show you here in Revelation chapter number 20. It actually talks about the mark of the beast again. And uh, the interpretation that I've heard of, about you know, the mark of the beast and uh, what technology specifically it is, is I've heard that it is an RFID chip. This is what most people, it seems like, believe nowadays, that it's a microchip. And they, they will specifically point to the fact that in Revelation 13 it says, in the right hand or in the forehead. They will reference the other modern Bible versions, which will change that to on. And they will say that the reason why this was changed was from the devil coming in and corrupting this. And it's so that when the, the chips actually start rolling out, that all these false preachers, which are the devil's minions, they'll just say from their NIV, hey, look, it says on their right hand and on their forehead. This is going in your right hand or in your forehead. You have nothing to worry about. So they'll point out and they'll say, yeah, but it's in. It's in their right hand or in their foreheads. But here's the point. This is what we need to do. We're going to compare Scripture with Scripture here in just a minute. Uh, let me give a, 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 just a, a caveat real quick. The change that all the other versions do is bad. Any changes is bad. The, but I don't, need those, I don't need those other versions. I wouldn't touch them with a 10-foot pole. What I'm about to show you is that it is in and it is on. It is both. And that's taught from a King James Bible, 1611. The authorized version teaches that the mark of the beast can be either in and on. So that's a misunderstanding of what is taught. Look at Revelation chapter number 20. I want you to look at me at verse number 4. It says, And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. Now watch this. And I saw the souls of them <coughs> that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image. Now watch this. Neither had received his mark upon their foreheads. Notice it says upon there, but then it says this. Or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now, if we go back to Revelation 13, do you know what Revelation 13 says? It says, in their right hand, and then it says this, in their foreheads. I want you to notice what the Bible actually says right there. So when it says their hands again, yeah, it says in, just because it can use either one. But you know what it says about their foreheads this time? It says upon. It says upon. Now, every other time Mark showed up, Ezekiel 9, Genesis 4, what did it use and how did it say it? What was, how was it described? Upon or on. So notice that interchangeably, this mark can either be on in the forehead, on in the hand. It can be either one. Now, if that is just exclusively some type of chip that is in injected and just that chip alone, would that make sense even in that way? It would not. And would that be a mark by the, just the, the traditional definition of a mark? Because the Bible says that it's nor print any marks upon you. Would that be printed on you? No, it wouldn't. It would not. So notice that argument falls apart and the Bible actually debunks that argument that it can be either in or on. The King James Bible, that is. I'll show this to you further. I want you to go over your right hand to Revelation chapter number 22. And then uh, Revelation chapter number 3 in your left hand. <clears throat> <clears throat> We'll look at these few passages here since we're here in the book of Revelation. Um, 
Furthermore, there's a, uh, a mark that the Lord gives in the end times to the 144,000. And it says this in Revelation 14. I want you to listen to this. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him in 144,000, watch this, having his father's name written in their forehead. So notice there that it says written in. Now, is that a mark, or I'm sorry, a chip? Does it, because it say, uses the word in, it must be some sort of implantable chip. Oh, I guess the implantable chip is written in their foreheads. That's a stupid way to interpret this. Obviously, it's very clear. What is it referring to? You can use the word in when you're talking about something written. We may not do that in our English today, but the King James Bible clearly does over and over again. So the mark that he gives them, he decides to put it on their foreheads just like he decided to put it on their foreheads in Ezekiel 9. And notice that it's written in their forehead, showing it's an actual mark. It's written just like a writer's inkhorn in Ezekiel chapter number 9. So it is the traditional you know, view of a mark or something being printed. Revelation chapter number uh, uh, 22 and then uh, Revelation 3. I want you to look in Revelation 3 first. Look at verse number 12. It says this, Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And then he says this, And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And then he says this, and I will write upon him my new name. So notice, write, write, over and over again, he uses the word write. And he says, and I will write upon him my new name. Now this is a prophecy of what the Lord will do to those that go to heaven and that achieve these rewards and goals. Well, it's actually talked about in Revelation 22, the, where this actually comes to fruition once we get to heaven. Look at Revelation 22, 3. Uh, keep in mind it said, it, he will write upon them, right? Now look at Revelation 22, 3. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Now watch this. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. Notice what was used interchangeable again. On and in, talking about in their foreheads, on their foreheads. Just like even for the mark of the beast. Now notice the consistency here. The Lord has something written on their foreheads and it's for His people. And what is written on their foreheads? Specifically, His name. What does Satan, what does the Antichrist have written on their foreheads? And it's a mark. His, exactly, the number of his name, right. So notice how it's related to his name. Notice how clearly this is. So we can see that the purposes are all the same. It's printed. It's obvious. Every time, even within the book of Revelation, it's all, a mark is always what mark means. It's a print or a mark. It's written. He uses a writer's inkhorn. It's the same. Why? The whole purpose is to visibly be able to identify those that are for you and those that are against you even more specifically. So it's printed. It's meant to be visible. It's meant to identify and differentiate. That's the, the purpose. It's meant to control also. It's meant as a means of control. And it's also meant to give amnesty or protection to those that have the mark. The mark seals you. That's what it does. The mark seals you. Now, if you take the mark of the devil, yeah, you'll receive protection from him temporarily. But, and it does seal you. It damns your soul for all 
eternity. And uh, we're not going to turn to that, but Revelation chapter 14 tells us very clearly that those that take the mark of the beast and the number of his name, that they are going to be damned for all eternity in Revelation chapter number 14. So, th this is, these, these teachings, they follow each other to a T. There's no wiggle room. They are exactly the same when we, either we look at the Lord's mark, you know, uh, uh, Satan's mark. They're all exactly the same. Now, <coughs> this is what I'll say, because I'm going to get into what I think the technology is, and I'm going to get into some of the things that have been arising lately that are extremely eerie. And the more I research it and look it up, it gets more weird and more eerie. So, the technology, whatever technology it ends up being, and I think that there are a lot of options out there, it has to uh, include in some way a mark. However you want to look at this, there is going to be a printed mark that comes with the chip. There's going to be a printed mark that comes with whatever it may be. Hey, maybe it might be RFID technology, which is just radio frequency identification, right? If they take this little chip, it's an implantable chip that they, and people do this right now. Uh, Switzerland, there's over, there's like five to 10,000 people right now that have this chip. Their bank cards, uh, or their bank information is all in the chip. This guy shows this reporter around uh, throughout his work where he scans into the door. When he goes to pay for his lunch or to get his lunch, he scans this card. It allows him into a cooler, like a refrigerator type of, of apparatus. He gets what he likes out of there, scans that. It adds it to his, his, uh, you know, his tab. I'm sure that that's probably connected to his bank account. It works with his car. I mean, it works with everything. It has all of his information. He can go to the doctor with it, the doctors with it. I mean, this is very common. Even in the United States of America, there's tons of pets that have these, you know, chips. There are people in the United States of America that have the chip, even human beings. So this microchip technology of, a, of radio frequency identification where they scanned a wand, a device that's meant to scan a series of you know radio frequency numbers it will pick up those numbers and it just it, it will compute those numbers put it into a machine and it, that will represent your personal identification number just like a social security number basically <clears throat> it's the exact same thing and then all of your information will be digitally stored in this this is something that is already being implemented already being implemented right now in many countries and some people are doing it in the United States. So radio uh, RFID, and I'll give you some of my opinions a little bit at the end again. RFID is an option. UPC code, that's an option. There's other sorts of technology and stuff that I believe is an option. But uh, I want to tell you about something very recent that I have been doing more research about and I've been looking into. It's very, very, very odd. It's extremely odd. I've been reading some uh, news reports and I've also been reading some directly from this particular company, this developer. This project is referred to or called ID2020, as I mentioned in the title of the sermon, ID2020. This company's goal is to create, <clears throat> excuse me, it is to create a digital identity for every person on the planet. Planet every single person. Their goal and their objective is to create a digital certificate and a digital identity to every single human being. Like that is their goal. They want every single person to be digitally certified and digitally tracked and have a digital identity every single person. ID 2020. This is not some tinfoil 
conspiracy. Look it up. Look up ID 2020. You can find out all the information that I did. I didn't get any of my information from some sort of alternative news source. None of it. You know, I looked up and, and listened to news reports of these people explaining what, they, what they're trying to do, their projects. I read it right off of their, their uh, uh, website. You can look up ID 2020. It'll take you to their website. Look up their goals and objectives. One of the other things you're going to find out on their website are the people that back, the backers or supporters of their organization. And they are some of the most powerful men in the world. They're not just random guys that are supporting this project. They are the most powerful men in the world. The men that are the most notorious for always being referred to as being a part of the Illuminati and doing things behind the scenes. And a lot of these people are involved in some very dark, evil things and have some very wicked, evil beliefs and just destructive beliefs. One of the, one of the backers is <clears throat> two of them, Microsoft and Gavi. Now, who is the owner and the founder of Microsoft? Bill Gates. He's the second richest man and was the, the first richest man for a long time until Jeff Bezos, who is the founder of uh, uh, Amazon, you know, surpassed him. And they actually traded places back in like November of last year just because Jeff Bezos got hit with something. And, uh, Bill Gates was number one again and then Bezos uh, took back over. But he is the second richest man in the entire world. That's Bill Gates. He is extremely powerful and has a massive amount of influence. He's, he's the second most powerful man in the world, you could say. He's the second richest man in the world. Now, Gavi, as I mentioned, any, anybody know what Gavi is? G-A-V-I, I believe I'm pronouncing it correctly, maybe Gavi. Gavi, I believe, that is the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So they separately, individually, are like two of the seven you know, supporters that are actually sp uh, sponsors on the website and published. And, you know, they, they publish this on the website that they are the supporters of this. I had to look it up. Gavi, that is the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Now, the purpose of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, <clears throat> the whole purpose of the foundation is to propagate the, the witch doctor science of vaccinations. I don't know if you're aware of that, but that is what Gavi is. It is a it is a, you know, a, a way to push vaccines to the entire world. That is their goal is to get the entire world vaccinated. So they push vaccines, they fund the development and the research of viruses and different types of vaccinations. That is what Gavi is. <clears throat> Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Bill Gates, you know, being the second you know, most powerful man in the world, <coughs> Bill Gates has an obsession with overpopulation. He is obsessed with the subject of viruses. He talks about it constantly. Look him up. He is obsessed with the subject of viruses, vaccinations, and he, he is obsessed in an odd way with the subject of overpopulation. And he actually, in a TED Talk, made a very weird statement where he just revealed that he believes in depopulation and has been working behind the scenes. Now, I don't know if he, if he meant to say this, but what does it matter? You think, what do you think, he's going to be arrested? What do you think, this guy's going to go to jail? I mean, are you crazy? It's Bill Gates. He made this statement while he was doing this TED Talk uh, where he revealed <coughs> what he believes about, you know, uh, um, depopulation. Now, I'll read that to you last, but I want to read to you some other statements from other people that are just the most powerful people in the world, how they, they also believe in 
uh, depopulation. And what eugenesis is, or eugenics, uh, eugenesis is a person that believes in eugenics. It is a person that believes in depopulation. That you need to lower the population of particularly humanity. People need to die off. People need, because they believe that you're destroying nature. Charles Darwin actually mentioned this and alluded to this a few times in his book. What they do is they worship the creature instead of the creator. And uh, Charles Darwin made a statement, but I didn't include that. But Ted Turner is also an extremely, extremely wealthy and rich man. He's the founder of CNN and, and other organizations. He said this, a total population of 250 to 300 million people, a 95% decline from present levels would be ideal. Do you hear that? Do you hear what he's saying? He actually said a 95% decline from present levels would be ideal. So what, what would he you know, uh, uh, like to take place? What would he desire to take place? He'd like to off 95% of the world's population. You know, you have the Georgia Guidestones, which purports this too, of how many people, and I believe they say 200 million or 300 million, I think actually. 300 million, right? 500. Okay, well, they're a little bit kinder than Ted Turner, I guess. You know, they want to spare at least 250 million people's lives. Uh, <clears throat> David Rockefeller, I don't know if you've heard of him, but also one of the most powerful men in the world and top ten of the richest men in the world said this, the negative impact of population growth on all of our planetary ecosystems is becoming appallingly evident. Uh, Prince Philip, if you know who Prince Philip is, he made this statement, in the event that I am re reincarnated, I would like to return as a deadly virus in order to contribute something to solve overpopulation. Did you hear that? Prince Philip. Obviously, these people are powerful, man. Not only that, he owns some sort of organization called ABG or AVG, something like that, which actually is the distributor of 50% of the world's food chain. Did you hear what I just said? 50% of the world's food. He owns like 50% or he owns that and it's 50% of the world's food chain or food supply. He said, I would, in the event that I am reincarnated, I would like to return as a deadly virus in, in order to contribute something to solve overpopulation. He said, I'd like to come back and kill off millions of people. That's what he's saying if I'm reincarnated. Disgusting. Alan Gregg, who works for uh, uh, the Rockefellers, very, very high, he's, a, he's, a, 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 he's in a, a high position of authority, he said this, the world has a cancer and that cancer is man. Margaret Sanger, I just threw her in there for, you know, you have to throw her in there. The most merciful thing that the large family does to one of its infant members is to kill it. Now this may be, you know, you know, appalling to you, but these people are serious and they really believe and really would like to lower the population of those that live in the earth. Margaret Sanger also said, all of our problems are the result of overbreeding among the working class. I want you to notice that too. The working class, right? <clears throat> so let me ask you this question with that last statement there. Do you think that these people are willing to sacrifice themselves? If they cared so much, do you know what would be the, uh, uh, the most reasonable thing that they would do? I want you to think about that. If they cared so much about overpopulation and desired depopulation, do you know what would make the most sense for those people to do? Get, be first in line. Ted Turner should you know, take his own life or kill himself. When he's saying that we need to you know, cause a 95% decline in the population, who do you think he's talking about? Do you think he's in the 95 percentile or the 5 percentile? He's in the five percentile. 
You may think that this is just a conspiracy. You may think that this isn't real. But there are real elitists that believe in elitism. And they believe that there are superior people in the world and they believe that there's the working class, the scum of the earth. Those that have no value and no worth. And this comes from the concept of evolution and that's why Charles Darwin made these statements. You know, just like the, 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 the subtitle of his book, it refers to, you know, uh, superior races, right? And inferior races. So these people truly believe in those that are, you know, of the upper class, the elitists in the world. And they believe that they have the right to life, but you have the right to nothing. That you're just the scum, the working class, the lower class. Who do you think Prince Philip is talking about? Who do you think he's going to target? You think he wanted to end his life? Or you think he wanted to live as long as he could? Yeah. Who do you, who do you think all of these people are referring to? David Rockefeller. Why don't he just, if he wants to solve the problem, why don't they all who care so much about this just kill themselves? Right? You would be doing the world a service, a lot of these people anyways. But you know, that's not what they're talking about. They want to kill and they want to off the working class, the lower class, those that they look down upon. Because, you know, to them, they're rich, they're wealthy, they are important. But you, you're worth nothing to them. That's how they look at the rest of the world. This is real. The real are, there are real elitists who believe in elitism. And that everybody else is just the scum and it'd be best if we just got rid of all you guys and had just our own planetary island. And we'd just all be wealthy together and you'd be out of our hair. That's their type of thinking. Well, Bill Gates also said this in 2011. The world today has 6.8 billion people. That's heading up to about 9 billion. And then he said this. <coughs> now, if we do a really good job on new vaccines, health care, and reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. Did you hear that? Did you hear what he just said? Now, if we do a really good job on new vaccines, then he talks about healthcare, all these other things, on new vaccines, we could lower that. Talk about the population by perhaps 10 or 15%. Now, what's real scary about this is that this man donates billions of dollars to vaccinations. You have this guy who is obsessed with the subject of depopulation. He's the second most richest man in the world. Second richest man in the world. And he's obsessed with the subject of overpopulation and desires depopulation. And then he also is obsessed with the subject of viruses and vaccinations. And you heard what Prince Philip said. Viruses could be used for that purpose. He's obsessed with that subject. And not only that, he has a foundation where he donates billions of dollars to vaccinations. And then he makes a statement that if we do a very good job with new vaccinations, we could lower the world's population by 10 to 15 percent. I mean, what else could you walk away from with that statement in that type of scenario? People need to get their head out of the sand and stop denying these clear facts and these clear statements of what people believe. I mean, how else are you going to interpret what Prince Philip said? These people really, and you wonder why all these vaccinations and stuff, they take them and they put them in Africa. You notice that? They're like the guinea pigs of all the world. They're always trying to flood Africa with all of the medication and the vaccinations and all that stuff that comes out. Where do they think that, that people came from? Think about this. We're talking about evolution. These people are elitist. Where do they think that mankind came from? Where did we arise from, man? We came from Africa. That's what they think. They think we came from apes and monkeys. So who's the lowest on the food chain when it comes to the human race? 
Those that would be in Africa. You know what they, you know what they, they think? What these types of twisted, perverted people think? They think that they're, they're, they're just the worst, that's all. So if we're going to you know, use this medication, if we're going to push our vaccinations, do you know it's at the top of the list over and over again when you watch Bill Gates? And I looked at it. He talks about over and over again where he wants to target with vaccinations the most is Africa. Yemen, Nigeria, all these places. The, place, the poorest places in the world. That's the places he's obsessed with putting money into. You know, and, and vaccines. Why? Because he views money as power. Power is money. That's the elite. That's who's important. People that are poor will start at the bottom and we'll get rid of the rest of them. This is real. People really believe in this. This guy is just flooding the medical community with billions of dollars for vaccinations. You don't see how bizarre and how weird this situation is? How strange and eerie this is? And not only that, he supports and he pushes for ID2020. He has two separate organizations. He founded Microsoft and then his, the, the Gates Foundation, with his, which is specific for vaccinations, they support and donate and fund ID2020. Now, just recently, you know, he was talking and he, and he made some, some uh, other strange statements. I don't know if you've heard about this. But he's been popping up. Who's been seeing Bill Gates on the news constantly? Constantly this guy is up there talking, isn't he? It's like, who in the hell are you? Who are you? Where's your medical degree? Where's your scientific degree? What degrees do you have in microbiology to be studying viruses? And why are you up here giving this advice about all of this? He is not, he's not certified. He doesn't have a background in this. Why do they keep going and interviewing him? Why do they keep going and talking to this guy? You know what he made a statement the other day? He said this. He said, eventually we will have some sort of, and this is in light of recent events. He said, eventually we will have some sort of digital certificates that go out to all to show who has recovered, talking about the coronavirus, or been tested recently. Or when we have a vaccine, who has received it. Isn't that interesting? How ID2020 is going to be used hand in hand with these different vaccinations. You know what ID2020 is, specifically what they are? They are a company that is trying to digitally certify and identify every single person in the world. For what? And what purpose? What do you think the reason is? He said this a couple of days after that. Things won't get back to normal until we have gotten a vaccine out to the entire world. You notice that? Things will not get back to normal until we've got a vaccine out to the entire world. Do you know what you know <coughs> what Fauci said? What is his office? What is his position again? Does anybody remember? He's a surgeon general. Yeah, I don't think he's surgeon general, is he? Yeah, he's, he's like the nation's physician. It's a very similar position. Um, yeah, he, you know what he said a couple of days later? Literally almost verbatim the exact same statement. wonder where he's getting it from. I wonder, who, I wonder where that came from, that, that, you know, that, that statement or that idea. Why do you think they keep going and interviewing him? You, know, you wonder, who, who do you think has the real power in the United States of America? Who do you think? Do you think? Do you honestly think that it's the president of the United States? Well, I mean, Donald Trump is one of the richest men, also. But do you honestly think that it's just these congressmen? You wonder how every one of them go in with a hundred thousand dollars in their bank account and they come out millionaires every single time. How? 
How, how, why, and how is that happening? Because people like Bill Gates are paying them off to pass whatever law he wants. To do whatever he wants. Stimulus packages funding all of these companies from these rich, wealthy individuals. You know, they pass a law to, get, to, to create some sort of monopoly to protect companies. Or to be the only show in town. Hey, we'll give you a $5 million kickback if you pass this law that will cause us to never be sued. Or that will cause us to be the only company that can exist in this area. Or hey, we'll give you a $10 million kickback if you pass this law that does whatever to benefit us. Who's really running the country when it comes down to it then? People like Bill Gates. You wonder why they're going and interviewing this guy. And you see what he's pushing for and what he's desiring. You see Bill Gates make a statement, hey, we'll never return back to normal until there's a vaccine out there for the entire world. And then you have Fauci make the same, the same statement and you wonder where he got it from. Yeah, he got it from the guy, one of the guys who really runs this nation. Money is what controls people. And as long as he's giving them dough and giving them cash, they'll do and say whatever he wants. You know what? It's a real scary thing when you look at that type of situation. Because right now, people are petrified and terrified. And they will do just about anything and accept just about anything in order to get back to normal. And if a vaccine came out today and they were told, hey, we've tested this, it's lab approved, you will be, it is safe and everything, we've tested it, you know how many people would be lining up to take that vaccine? And do you know how much pressure would be on anti-vaxxers to, to vaccinate right now? It would not be even close to anything that you've ever seen in the past. This is not a republic anymore. This is a democracy. And they would be shoving that down your throat with by far the majority saying, vaccinate us. And you know what? You're going to be demonized because you're not standing up for the greater good. And you're just a selfish jerk that just cares about yourself. And you're going to infect all these other people, you selfish jerk. You're just hiding behind the First Amendment. You're just hiding behind the Second Amendment and all this types of gar type of garbage. You know how easy it's going to be to implement something like that right now, a vaccination? Do you know how many people would be... Not only that, do you know how many people would go back to normal? You know how many people right now, their businesses are failing? People are not able to pay their mortgage. And all they got to say is, hey, if we take this vaccination, we'll be back to work in two weeks. You know how many people would, would, would take that vaccination for all of those reasons? You know how, easily, how easy it would be for Bill Gates to cause a, a scenario in a situation like that? I give $2 billion to you. He's got the money. $2 billion to you, $2 billion to you, $2 billion to you, $5 billion to you. Another million over here, another million over here. And this is what we're going to do. And he just so happened to already have, a, 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 he was already supporting and sponsoring ID 2020 for digital certificates. And now we have this perfect scenario. And he just so happens to be obsessed with viruses and, and uh, pestilences and vaccinations. And now all of a sudden it's the perfect scenario where we can incorporate the vaccinations with the ID 2020. And he just so happens to be the one that actually set up Event 201. Did you know that? He was the one that actually coordinated and planned Event 201. And you know, I found something even weird, even more weird than that today. When I was listening to one of his TED Talks that he did, that I extracted that earlier statement from, at the very end he concluded with this. And he made a statement and he said this, Are we ready for the next pandemic? Do you know how the woman in the epilogue of Event 201 ended? She said this, Are we ready for the next pandemic? If you think that this is all just coincidence, if you think that, that there was not, you know, this was not planned and that there was not 
you know, this was already way... I don't care whether or not... It, what, I don't even know what I believe about whether it's a bioweapon or bioterrorism. And if somebody thinks that's a crazy idea, do you know what Bill Gates said in that same TED Talk? He said, we need to be prepared. There's bioterrorism out there where they can release viruses. He said that it's real. And isn't it funny that he's familiar with things like that? He said, it's now we don't need to worry about nuclear weapons from our enemies. We need to be worrying about bioterrorism. Isn't that strange? Isn't that weird? People need to get their stinking head out of the sand and stop looking at people and saying, you're just a conspiracy theorist. No, you're naive and you're gullible and you don't have a clue what's going on in this world and you're being played like a stinking fiddle is what's going on. And everybody's just going along with everything. That's what's happening. And there's these billionaires that are taking advantage and destroying people's lives. And they're using everybody like a puppet. We need to be aware and alert of what's going on. There's real evil in the world. Stop being naive. There's wicked, evil people out there. You know, power in high places. You know, darkness in high places that manipulates the world. And they control the world by money. And that's what's going on. <coughs> so event 201, it's all coincidence. Him making that exact same statement, being the funder and the planner, it's all coincidence. All the steps of the procedure that they had, had said, this is what we'll do in that scenario if it gets this bad. All a coincidence. It happens a month before that. All a coincidence. Now ID 2020, he's pushing for it. And it's just so going to happen to be incorporated with a vaccination that he's going to be issuing. All a coincidence. You're a moron if you think that. That there is not something behind the scenes that's going on. You're an idiot. I, I, I don't know any other way to say it nicer. Maybe this. You're stupid, I guess. If you think that this is all just a coincidence. You're out of your stinking mind. They're destroying lives and they know it. You know what this is? This is the precursor to the mark of the beast. This is a system. Now, I don't know how they're going to be digitally scanning this. I don't know how this is going to be exactly taking place. But this system, it is a system where they are going to digitally certify every human being on the planet. He causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor. Every person, everybody on the earth, everybody on the earth, every single person is going to be digitally certified and logged into a system. And it's just going to, it's going to begin with are, hey, have you been vaccinated? We're just going to have your social security number, your cell phone, your address. It's just basic information, right? That's, you know, that, I don't even want to give you my stinking cell phone number, buddy. But that's where it's going to begin, all of that. And whatever, <coughs> they're going to they're have to have some way to identify it. it you know, some sort of device or something like that. So this is the precursor of a, of a system or a log in which they are going to be able to store every single person's information in the entire world. And they're going to give you a digital certificate so that they can digitally identify you. I want you to go to Revelation chapter number 20. <clears throat> so you look at this, this situation, it's like Bill Gates, you hear about this guy your whole life, he's just this rich guy, he's kind of nerdy and weird. And then just lately, and I didn't know all this about this guy, it's like, what is going on? And you talk about how, you, you see in the Bible how rich people are often very evil. And the more rich you are, the more corrupt you become. You know, and, and that is obvious what is going on here. This guy is a very evil, dark, dark man. And, and I don't know how he's going to be involved with all of this. I'm going to have to start looking to see if he has like a sword wound in his head. Like his friends maybe called him son of perdition when he was growing up or something. You know, but 
that something very strange and very eerie is really going on right now. And, 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 and hey, I'm not saying that this is the mark of the beast that's coming now, but do you know what this is? This is the forerunner, and it really is. This is the precursor. It's the system that's being implemented so that it's that much easier when we get to the point of the, the beast showing up, the technology's already there. In a day, he can just plug in what he wants and say, hey, now you got to come and worship me. We've deactivated everything. You know, whatever the digital certification is. Now when you come, the way you're going to access your digital information is it's no longer going to be maybe something we carry around, a fob or something, whatever it is. Now it's going to be a mark. And you're going to have to come, you're going to have to go here, and the, the, images, the image of the beast is going to be set up in all these different locations. There'll be different hubs in your local region that you have this amount of time that you need to show up. And we'll use this as a census where we can re-log and re-digitally certify every human being and identify each person. And the way to be recertified is that you're going to have to receive this new mark. This new mark that's going to take place. And obviously it would be the mark of the beast. I don't know what kind of mark it is exactly. <coughs> hey, it might be something that has to do with the RFID. It might be, and I was watching them do the, the actual chips and how quickly they can just pop that puppy in there. It may be something even that the, it is an RFID where they pop it in and it might have another, in, uh, uh, another apparatus to it where it just pops a stamp on the outside of your hand. Be on this hand though. So it's got two, it's popping that chip in there and then there's just a stamp that goes right on the outside of the hand. There's the mark. And if it maybe goes on your forehead, they might just pop it right there on the forehead. It might be, which is very, I think is also a very good theory, is a UPC barcode, which is a mark. Those barcodes, and this is very weird, those barcodes have two numbers. Two, uh, there, there's a, uh, two numbers, right? And they're, they're, they are uh, isolated or separated by three bars. That's why it's called a UPC barcode. And those bars are also numbers. Those bars, what they are for is they are reference points for the machine. So when the machine or the scanner actually scans the numbers, they don't necessarily scan the, the reference bars, the three reference bars. There's one on the borders, the outside, and there's one in the middle. But the actual serial number is those two, num those two sets of numbers that are in between those bars. And this is, you can look this up. This is not a conspiracy theory. Do you know what those three reference numbers are? Really? 666 six. Six, six, six in the UPC barcode. That's really what it is. And they, when they scan those UPC barcodes, that's what they're doing. It has to use those reference numbers, those reference, uh, reference points, in order to be able to tell where those series of numbers are. And it just scans them. It's very, it, it's very possible that this could be some sort of technology that is UPC barcode, or maybe that technology evolves a little bit more and it's kind of integrated with another technology. And that hap that's how technology works. If you think, well, that's far-fetched, then you don't understand technology. That's how technology works, is they integrate one with it, they use another technology in tandem with another. And these are all <coughs> possibilities. You know what you need to do is you need to open up your eyes. Because this mark of the beast is coming, and you know what? The beast is a real man. And I don't know if this guy's alive right now, I don't know if he's walking the earth right now, but it's a real man who has a real agenda. And when you read the Bible, we always kind of read it like it's a Bible story, right? 
But it's a real guy who's going to have a real agenda. You know, he might start out, I'm not saying it's Bill Gates. I don't think he's a Jew, so we can exclude him for that. But he might start out pushing vaccines. He might start out the way he goes forth to conquer. I don't know. Maybe he's, maybe he's sending forth viruses. Maybe that's how this is taking place. It's a real guy, and there's this man that is referred to as the beast. There's this guy who's referred to as the beast. And there's going to be a time when the whole world, the whole world is mandated and there is a law passed that you must worship this man in the image of this man. And if you do not, you're not going to receive the mark. And the mark is, the mark is going to enable you to buy and sell. And if you do not have the mark, you're not going to buy, be able to buy or sell. You're not going to be able to buy anything. And also, if you, don't, if you don't have the mark, if you won't take the mark and don't have the mark and somebody sees you out and they say, he doesn't have the mark on his hand. You know what they're going to do? They're going to slay you or smite you. Just like in Ezekiel 9, they killed the man that didn't have the mark. They went around looking for it. You know what they're going to have? They're going to have watchmen. You think that we are losing freedoms now and we're beginning to live in an, or or you know, an Orwellian nightmare. You have no clue what's coming. They're going to be hunting down and persecuting Christians and the purpose is going to be find those that won't worship the beast. And it'll be fed to you under the guise of security for everybody else and stability for everybody else. And let me tell you this, that if you're not willing to take a vaccination, mark my words that this is going to become a major problem in the next two to three years in the United States. Because this is, this is not the end of this. If you are not willing to take a vaccination in the United States of America, you will be the enemy of the people. They, they already hate they already look at everyone like they're a threat. Like you're this possible asymptomatic carrier of this deadly boogeyman virus. And they view each other, they're viewing everyone like, like you're some kind of monster. Can you imagine how they would act towards you if you were not vaccinated, everybody's willing to take the vaccine, but you're like, no, I'm not vaccinating. Do you know what they would say about you? You know how they would look at you and treat you? You know how scared people are about this virus and they're already irrational and unreasonable? They would, you would be even more so their enemy. You know how easy it would be when the whole world or the, all of the nation in this context is on their side, how easy it would be to mandate a vaccination? That's what's going on right now is they are push, pushing these vaccines. And that's going to be the next step. Mark my words. This is headed towards mandatory vaccinations. That is what's going to happen. That is going to be the way that they implement this technology, which will ultimately, will certainly, ultimately be used in end times Bible to fulfill end times Bible prophecy, where everybody's tagged, everybody's tracked. We know who everybody is, you know, and and everybody has to have this marked, this mark of the beast. This is exactly what is taking place. But I want you, I had you turn to Revelation 20. I'll actually, I want you to go to, uh, we can read Revelation 20, but I want to read Revelation 15. That's where I want to end. We read this earlier, but <coughs> I want you to notice it talks about those that get the victory. I want you to, I want to end on a positive note. Those that victoriously turn down the mark of the beast. You know what you need to do is you need to make up your mind and set already in your heart that you're not, you couldn't take it if you wanted to. I don't know how this is going to work. But you need to be ready to stand up courageously and boldly when this gets offered, if you're alive during that time period. I want to stand for the witness of Christ. I want to use this as an opportunity to say, no, I'm not taking this mark. 
I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you can, you can do whatever you want to do to me. You can behead me. You can kill my family. I'm not taking the mark and reject it. You need to set your heart and get your heart ready and right for that type of scenario. It might be scary. But, hey, a lot, of, a lot of things prophets and servants of the Lord went through, persecutions that they went through, were scary. But you know what? As I said in that very first sermon, too, it's exciting to be alive during this. I know Brother Rick mentioned this to me uh, uh, years ago. I don't remember how long ago it was, but <laughs> he told me that he would think about it. I hope this isn't too personal. That he had thought about this quite a few times of being alive during the end times and, like, being, you know, put in front of the Antichrist. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this and you remember this. And, like, he preaches at the Antichrist. Do you remember that? Yeah, he does. Sorry to embarrass you. No, I'm just kidding. And I, I would like to be put in a scenario like that where I can stand up for the Lord and stand before the beast and the son of perdition and reject it and refuse it and tell him, no, I am not worshiping your image. I am not worshiping the, you know, the, the beast. Not happening. I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I will serve Him and Him only. And you know what? If my God won't deliver me, I'm still not going to worship your image. If I die being beheaded, that's what's going to happen. Amen. You're never putting any kind of mark on me. Not happening. So there's those that are, are victorious over the mark of the beast. And that's what we need to look towards. There are people that it mentions that will be alive during this. And I want to be, if I'm there... I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to be. I'm going to set it in my heart that I'm going to make that decision. And I don't care, you know, the, 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 the stress, the persecution, whatever it is. I want you to look at Revelation chapter 20 verse 4. He says, And I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads, or in their hands. So notice these men refused it. They were confronted with it and they said, no, we will not. We will not worship the image. We will not worship the beast. And it says this, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Look at Revelation 15 and let's end there. This is the group that I want to be in. If that's what this is pointing towards and this is going to happen in my lifetime, <coughs> I'm already going to make my mind up that I am for sure Obviously, I'm not. They, Christians won't be able to. Do you know what I believe is going to happen? There are going to be people that deny the Lord just like Peter did. He didn't lose his salvation. But whatever technology they have, they're going to know that you're a Christian. Whatever it is. You, you don't really, <coughs> you're not really believing in this. You're not you know, going to bow down and worship this. However it works, maybe a brain scanning technology. I think that's very, very feasible and possible. And then they realize, like, you're not being honest. Maybe a lie detector. And they're like, you... We've scanned you five times when you ask these series of questions and every single time it comes up abnormal as, as though you were hiding something and lying to us. You know what they're going to do? You're going to be beheaded too. But you didn't stand courageously and you didn't stand boldly. You didn't stand for the testimony. Notice those had the testimony. Notice those stood for the word of God. That's the group that I want to be in. I want to stand for the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to stand there and when they ask me, do you know the man? I'm going to say, yes, I know him. I'm going to say, yes, I know him. And the opportunity that Peter was given there was a great opportunity. Hey, I'm not going to say, I, you know, I don't want to you know, talk bad, <laughs> especially about a great man of God, Peter. But when I'm put in that position, I want to do what's right. Amen. To say, hey, do you know him? You're a Galilean. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm a Galilean. Yes, I know him. 
I'm going to stand for the Word of God and for the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ if I get the opportunity. And I look forward to the opportunity. Look what it says in Revelation 15.1. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire. And then it says this, <coughs> And them that had gotten, watch this, them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name. Stand on the sea of glass having the harps of God. That's the group that I want to be in. I want to be in the group that gets the victory, that has the testimony. I want to have the victory over the beast and over his image and over you know, uh, uh, the, the new world order, I want to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ and I want to retain my integrity and I want to keep the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. It's exciting times that we live in. And uh, you know, I'm normally not, as I said. I'm not, I don't go down this path of just predicting stuff all the time. But things have gotten very weird and very strange. And the more that I look into it, the more I think, man, how many more years could it be before this really starts? And it really happens in my lifetime. It's starting to get a lot more real and have a lot more flesh on it. So we need to be alert. We need to be awake. We need to be watching this and be ready. And you know what? More importantly, don't, we don't need to spend our time in the news all the time. You know what we need to do? We need to spend our time in this book. Yeah. And read the book of Revelation a little bit more. Study these subjects. Be familiar with the topics. You know, that's why it says, we, the, the passage that we, that we read, <coughs> I believe it's in the book of Hosea, he said, write it and make it clear so that he that sees it can run. Make the vision clear so when he sees it, he can run. Saying he can be warned. That's why we have the book of Revelation. God wants you to be familiar with this. Be familiar with it. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We're so thankful that we have a, a, a God that we're proud of, that we can stand up for. So amazing, dear Lord. And, and uh, just help us all to have the heart that we would just look forward to the chance to die for uh, our God and our Lord if we had the opportunity. We love you so much. Just be with us. Strengthen our church. Uh, uh, help us as individuals to be strong, dear Lord. <coughs> uh, help all the families here to grow in the knowledge of the book of Revelation and end times Bible prophecy. We love you and we ask you that you would uh, just uh, bless our church as a whole and be with us. And in Jesus Christ's name, amen.